0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from the U.S. Meat Export Federation's spring conference that is underway in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A big shout out to the, the guys here helping uh, keep the media room going. They have a great spot for us all to work. So thanks, of course, to Joe and John. Well, it's an interesting market trade today. How dry is it? Well, I can tell you, we fought a field or grass fire in a ditch here yesterday. I didn't go down very deep in that dirt before I hit nothing but powder. And it is not just in my backyard. It's across many areas of the Western Corn Belt. We're going to look at what effects that's having on this market trade. Also, the combines are rolling in Brazil. What are we seeing when it comes to numbers there? And the Black Sea Corridor, you know, there's been some... um, Little disruptions, shall we say, a little bit of uh, discussions with Russia when it comes to the ability to get some of that grain moved. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more in today's episode. Is Joining us, of course, is Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So let's kind of start out with this dry weather concern because I've seen it on social media. You have as well. And I can attest, at least in my backyard, it is definitely dry out there
1: yeah it certainly is um especially in parts of nebraska especially in southeast nebraska that's just been probably one of the worst pockets in the whole midwest where rains have kind of missed and overall if you look at the midwest as a whole we've been below normal over most of the midwest over the last 30 days and obviously some areas go back beyond the 30 days most areas have had some rains and most areas have been cooler than normal over that 30 day period as a whole, as well, which has helped. That's always positive. Now, if you're in one of those areas in Nebraska that's the driest, nothing I say is going to provide a lot of relief or encouragement to you um, uh, because you're suffering from that and you're watching your crops struggle through that. And, and I get that and I understand that my analysis comes from a market standpoint and what is the market paying attention to which is the the total production crop as we look at the total production crop it comes down to how close are we going to get to that 181 and a half bushel yield that usda is talking about on 92 million acres of corn and if we do that it gives us ending stocks uh, with a two billion in front of it, and you could argue about how much above two billion it'll be, but regardless, if it's above two billion, that's not good for prices going forward. So as we look at the patterns, we're going rapidly into an El Nino weather pattern. And in fact, as I've talked to a couple of climatologists from different firms that have had a really good track record over the last few years, um, <clears throat> they say that there's only two years in in recent history when we have gone from a La Nina in the winter as strong as it was to an El Nino as strong as what we're moving to <clears throat> that fast. And that's 1997 and 2009. And then, excuse <coughs> excuse me, then there's been a couple years when it's been close to that. So if you look at those analog years, it does give you a very classic El Nino type of a weather pattern for the June, July and August time period. And that's basically northwesterly flow out of Canada and the upper wind levels, which gives you active thunderstorm activity, um, mild temperatures and somewhere around normal uh, rainfall, some areas above normal, some areas below normal, but generally enough moisture with the mild temperatures to give you good yields somewhere trend or higher for a national average. So what about this short-term trend we're in right now? That is very typical, they tell me, of a beginning El Nino phase to start off the summer this way and then turn wetter. So the question is then, can we get through this dry phase without hurting the crop? And that's going to be one of the keys. One of the, one of the risks, there are two risks to consider here and where could we could end up Hotter and drier for the summer as a whole in the Midwest to get a small corn crop and of course that would have market implications one is called the angular momentum of, of the winds which I'm not a scientist and understand all this uh, it's positive right now and it's in decline going to more of a stagnant upper level wind pattern and when you go negative with that that tends to give you a hot dry summer in the Midwest I said we're positive, we're in decline right now, but a strong El Nino, or going into El Nino, tends to bump you up positive, and so they're expecting this is just a, a temporary blip there, but that's something we have to watch. The other thing is the negative PDO, which means cold waters, colder than normal waters, off of the west coast of the United States, and those waters have been expected to be warming up to get rid of that coldness, that is happening. It has not totally happened. So as long as it hasn't totally happened, there's always a risk that that could reverse. And if that's the case, then that would present hot, dry risk for the Midwest this summer. But we are going in the direction of that warming up and disappearing. So those are the factors we're watching. And so it's just a matter now getting through this period and, and these the climatologists I talked to them say, when is this going to change? and they all they both agree that right now the atmospheric signals are telling them it's going to be the second week of june so it means we got to get through the second week of, until we got to get through the first week of june once we get to the second week of june it looks like we're going to see that increase in thunderstorm activity and if that's the case and we can hold on the crops until that point that's going to be the key then we're going to be in good shape for producing a crop is what they're telling me.
0: Well, from, from your lips to God's ears, and may the pivots get to get shut off for a little bit. So hopefully we'll get to see that happen. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontanelle final bell. We come back. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on, um, with this Brazilian crop as the combines are starting to roll. Also, uh, the Black Sea corridor. We'll take a look at what that's happening and a lot more. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell taking place during the U.S. Meat Export Federation's Spring Conference in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.
1: As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle Hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining ten Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured, we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. The Delta region, uh, that's kind of the equivalent of what we're talking about, but we don't get into any type of significant volume of corn in the United States moving until we get to the end of August into early September. And so from a similar standpoint, in Brazil, we're not going to get any significant volume moving to the export market until we get to late June, particularly with how much of the corn was planted late this year. So late June into July and August when a lot of their corn is going to be moving on to the export market. Until then, I think that we can see some good export demand for the next four weeks or so. Um, but then I see it dropping off significantly with this big crop from Brazil. Uh, I did notice we've had the highest production estimate all growing season down there from our customer survey. But I noticed earlier today another big pro- private consulting company in Brazil actually topped our estimate, talking about how good the yields look to be in in uh, Mato Grosso area specifically, and so we're no longer the highest estimate, uh, which is fine with me. But what that does is confirm to me uh, that others are starting to see how big this crop is as well,
0: and that's going to make for some interesting marketing, especially if we have, like we talked about in the front half, some grain struggles uh, growing of crops here in the States. It might put an interesting pressure on in what we see come fall.
1: It really does, because I've spoken to a couple groups of Brazil farmers here over the last 10 days or so, and they talk about how they're underpriced. In fact, our, our customer survey as of last Friday showed that only 30% of the Safrina corn crop had been sold, and normally they'd be at around 45 to 50%. So that means they've got a lot of bushels yet to move on to the market. They see the potential here in the United States this year, what that could do to prices and what it's already done to prices. The prices they're seeing now are below break even levels, so they they've made it clear they're looking for rallies to sell, and so as we get rallies, that's what's going to make it tougher to um, to sustain those rallies is that Brazilian farmer selling
0: so this wheat market, why is it continuing to break like it is?
1: Well, primarily because of the the news reports of the imports, which we continue to see those news reports of imports coming from Poland and elsewhere in Eastern Europe into the United States because of the arbitrage opportunities from our high prices and their low prices. And so, you know, we've been dealing with this in the cash market for the last 90 days, but the media has caught on to it now, specifically Bloomberg and Reuters. So they're doing stories on this on a regular basis and so that's got the fund manager selling our wheat as a result and so we can't find a you know can't find a, a rally that we can keep going it's just that in rallies are being sold right now in the wheat market and there's a lot of problems with the Ukraine grain initiative even though it was extended for 60 days there's three ports that are approved for movement of grain out of those ports um but the biggest of those ports you Uh, Russia is not approving any ships to go into the biggest of them. They're just approving a small number of ships to go into the two smaller ports right now. So the flow of grain coming out of Ukraine is very tight, but yet the wheat market really doesn't care. And um, that's because Russia is dumping a lot of cheap wheat onto the world market.
0: As we get ready to wrap up, let's talk about this cash on the cattle side. Uh, Some pretty pleased with what they're seeing to the north.
1: Yeah, it, we're doing a little better than what we anticipated this week. Uh we look at the cash cattle trade that we've seen, it's uh, generally a $1 dollar higher, 171 in the Southern Plains, and one to two dollars higher on the week in the northern feedlot district. So that's doing better than what we anticipated. That helped support the futures market today. Uh, and so we even made a new high for the move at one point during today's trade, um, providing some support underneath of this market.
0: Well, lots of great things happening, Arlen, and an interesting marketing week, I think, still coming ahead. Folks want to continue this conversation with you. What's the best way to do it?
1: At Stonex.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A R L A N F F 101.
0: Well, thanks for Arlen Suderman joining us today. Again, he is with Stonex. And this report, of course, is being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers. You can pick this up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you get your free podcast through your phone system. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. From the USMEF meeting in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.